What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Sports Business Podcast. I am your host, Eric Compton, a.k.a. Mr. Town Business. And as always, I got my co-host, my battle buddy, my brother from another mother, the one and only Mr. Brian Bearfield, a.k.a. Big Sarge. What's happening, man? Hey! Shout out to all the guys who are going to be tricked on Valentine's Day, which is this Friday, into thinking that their girlfriends is on their cycle and they done went out and spent all this money for nothing. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> right? You like, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Slow down, bro. That's too much for the sports business podcast. Whoa. Say that for the Buzz and Petty podcast. Uh, but hey, and this podcast is available just like the Buzz and Petty podcast is available on all platforms <laughs> wherever you get it, you dig? So, whoo, we coming out guns blazing today, BB. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just but, saying, man, some of these guys need to start paying attention to detail. And you yep. know, you should have started counting. You should have started paying attention to the pattern back in like August. So you could be like, uh uh, uh uh. What you it mean? The, the yeah, first what other you, tip. <laughs> yeah, what you mean? Like payday incentives. So, uh, yeah. yeah, we got that coming up this weekend. Uh, we got a lot going on, man. So it's been a, a, the transition from the end of football season, kind of gearing towards basketball season. Catchers and report, uh, catchers and pitchers actually report for baseball. Uh, I think they started today, actually. Um, for some teams, so we got a kind of like a cool little trend, uh, cool little transition because now we're gearing towards the NBA All Star break, which kind of tra- transpired off of the trades that was made last week. Man, there was a lot of big trades, uh, but the most blockbuster trade out of all of the trades, I guess, would probably be, would you say, what is it, the Golden State Warriors and, and the Minnesota Timberwolves? Was that the, the was that the the block was that the blockbuster trade that that happened last week? Are you saying that because, one, you are a Golden State Warriors fan and y'all got Maple Jordan? Is that why no, Andrew Wiggins? I'm saying that isn't too, like, I'm at, like I'm asking you, yes, I am a Golden State Warrior fan, and I haven't really been able to, like, really give an opinion on that yet. So, I don't know. Do you think that, that's what I'm asking. Like, I'm asking you, like, do you think that's actually the biggest trade that happened? You had... Eagle Dollar, who just went on sabbatical for over a year, basically, and somehow got manipulated into, or he got, he wiggled his way to go to Miami and, and sign a two-year, $30 million contract, which is crazy at 36 years old, that he got $15 million for the next two years with the with the luxury, or with the cap wiggle room to kind of maneuver his contract to sign a, 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 a max player this offseason. Uh, who else? Robert Covington went to the Rockets. That was a, That was pretty good. The Clippers didn't make a move. That was a really big trade. That was a really good trade right it's there. It's pain, I like also. Huh? I like, yeah, yeah, we I didn't, didn't like I that didn't first. Want, no, 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 no. And that's what I'm saying. I didn't want Clint Capella to leave here only because, like, Clint's a really good guy. Locker room guy, everything. I mean, you ever meet him in person, he's a really good guy. And I thought that, you know, now what we're seeing is that Rockets offense was never designed for him to actually showcase everything he had. He was a rim runner. Uh, he was a great rebounder. Shot you know, he caught the lob a mm-hmm. lot. But there was really no plays actually designed to get Clint Capella involved. And right. I felt like if you're still averaging nearly 14 points and 14 rebounds in a system that wasn't designed for you, it almost was like when Robert Ory was with the Rockets. There were no plays, not a 
one designed for him. You know, of course, the majority of them went to Dream. And after Dream, it was Clyde Maxwell. And when Clyde got here, it was for Clyde. Nothing was for Big Shot Bob. Everything he got was scraps. And that's the exact same thing it was for Clint Capella. You notice that, and, and I and I say this, you know, once I take off, I'm sorry, once I put my professional hat all the way on and pull it down a little bit, mm-hmm. it, it, it was the best thing to do because the Rockets had to open up that lane for Russell Westbrook. If you see how, now that Clint Capella is not there, how open that lane is because there's no man lagging, there's, there's no defender, excuse me, lagging into the lane. And, man, Westbrook, it's like, he's like, do I want to go to the hole right now? Yeah, I'm going to go to the hole. They collapse saw, on me, I'll pick it up. I saw a possession last night on a semi, semi-fast break against the Boston Celtics, which was a marquee game last night. Um, Westbrook got the ball, went on the break, and took one on four and scored over, I believe it was Tatum, um, late in the fourth quarter. And I, I I didn't realize how much this trade really necessarily benefited Russell Westbrook of all people. You would think Harden would, Harden would get a little bit more wiggle room with him, but Russell Westbrook has been balling on a different level. He's looking like the Russell Westbrook of when he was with the Thunder. And I'm not saying, I mean, he's an all-star this year by far, um, but this is a guy that averaged, is it, am I, if I'm not mistaken, three triple doubles in a season the past three years, if, I, if, if, my, if my time is right. Am I wrong? Yep. It's three, it's three no, in a row. You're right. Three consecutive three. years of tri- averaging triple double. And ain't nobody ever did that in the in the in in the history of basketball. So he's looking like his old self. And what he's not doing, he's not settling for jump shots because now you have five perimeter players where he can dribble and penetrate, kick it out to PJ, uh, PJ Tucker who led the league in corner threes last year. Robert Covington, who's probably right around that, hovering around that forty percent from the three point line. James Harden, who's a, 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 a an assassin. When it comes down to just scoring itself, and then you got Daniel House, who he's a he's a solid NBA player. So Russell Westbrook is kind of theoretically, how can I say this? He's like a big man because he gets most of his buckets in the paint, but he plays more as a slasher, driving into the paint, making. And then whenever he, whenever the defense collapses on him, he's got four perimeter players that he can literally just kick it out to and knock down that three point shot. So. It's working. Um, I, I think the Covington trade was a was a, was a huge pickup, and I can kind of see where maybe addition is better with subtraction, or subtraction is better with addition. When you move out Clint Capella, who's a guy who was walking with 14 points and 14 boards a game with no plays ran for him. And I, where did he go to Atlanta? Yes. Has he played for them yet? To, uh, I don't know. I think they wait until after the All Star break. If I'm not mistaken, don't quote me on that. But they maybe wait until after the All Star break, which is you know, which would be good. It may not pay pay dividends for the Atlanta Hawks this year, but once him and Trey Young gets a, a battle rhythm down, once they get themselves in line and in sync, I think it's going to be good. It'll give Trey. It definitely going to give Trey Young an opportunity to get more shots off because now you have a proven rebounder in Clint Capella. You also have a guy who does not care about not having the ball. Like he's right, already right. he's played with James Harden. And that's not a knock on Harden, but in that D'Antoni system, he's used to not getting the ball. And so maybe this summer, you know, once they incorporate the offense, once he learns the offense a little bit more, maybe they'll run some things through him. But, yeah, uh, I like, like I said, I like the fact that Robert Covington is here. He's a great defender. And, you know, he shoots the three-pointer. I think he's like 36% from three-pointer. Right, so right, he's up, he's three right three around 40%. Shooting. Great on so, like, all defensive player. Made but, on the defensive team like uh, two years ago. Yeah, but I will have to agree with you that uh, um, 
I will say that, you know, as I digress to the beginning of what you said, when it comes to names, yes, Minnesota and Golden State because of D'Angelo Russell going to the Minnesota Timberwolves and Andrew Wiggins going to the um, Andrew Wiggins going to the Golden State Warriors. Warriors. Yeah. Yeah, in name. And you know what? I was listening to something and maybe you could maybe you can help me out with this, E, because the Golden State Warriors is your team and you have watched them a lot more than I have. So you know the nuances and uh, intricacies about the team. What they're saying is because Andrew Wiggins is such an unselfish player, and although he wanted to be the man, his temperament is not to be the man, and so he was playing kind of out of his position, and I don't mean his basketball position, but his Personality-wise. Yeah, and so now that he's moved to a team that has dominant leadership, who has players who are leaders in Draymond Green, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson. They say you may see a resurgence and you may see him actually, you know, coming to fruition on who he is, who he is, and what they expected him to be as the number one overall pick. Um, so here's the thing, bro. Um, I don't know if the Golden State Warriors are going to keep him this year, after this year. Like, I have a gut feeling that they are not going to keep Andrew Wiggins whatsoever. And I get it, he's averaging 22 points, five rebounds, and about four assists a game. Player efficiency is one of the worst at 16, and league average is 15, is default. Um, I, I, I really think the Warriors are going to load up and just try to get... I don't, I mean, this isn't speculative. This isn't like rumor wires or anything like that, but a player of the magnitude of a Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, I can see them just going, putting all the chips on the table where they load up, get Andrew Wiggins. They have, they're going to get probably the first, either the first or the second overall draft pick this draft. They got another draft pick from, um, which is a top three protected pick from Minnesota. Um, and probably they got a boat. I think they got four second round draft picks as well within the next two years as well. So I think they can just bundle up and just go all in and try to get a Giannis or Anthony Davis, uh, you know, maybe Andre Drummond's a free agent this year. So I don't know if Andrew Wiggins is going to be there permanently, BB. I I just, I just feel like this is just another chip that you're going to utilize to say, Hey, we got another asset that we can flip because it's my understanding um, and I, I believe I've read this on NBC Sports Bay Area that even with D'Angelo Russell coming to the Golden State Warriors initially this season, they weren't really too sold on D'Lo the whole year. And there was a couple of instances where they it was an instance, I guess, in like a practice or a game where D'Angelo Russell was like, I guess he was he's not known to be a great defender. He actually showed that he can actually defend. And Draymond Green was like, hey, man, that's what we need on a consistent basis. And he didn't give it. And so basically since the time he's gotten been part of the whole, the niche, he wasn't part of the whole Warriors culture. So kind of made things a little bit awkward. And not to mention he was traded there. He was traded to the Warriors based off of a nice little, you know, a nice little thank you for everything that you did for me while I was here at Golden State with Kevin Durant as a signing trade deal where they got D-Lo and they had to move out with Iggy. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of bad thing. There was just a lot of quirks and stuff that just didn't fit with Russell being here with Golden State. Obviously, with Steph Curry breaking his finger or his wrist earlier this season in the third game, kind of just wiped the whole season out. But even with that, even with them two, I didn't think that they were going to make um, any sort of noise at, at, at all this year. So 
to answer your question, BB, I, I don't think Andrew Wiggins is going to stay there permanently this year. I don't see that happening. I know he was drafted by the Cavs and traded for Kevin Love when LeBron James got there, and now he's being traded again. And I know people are saying that he can fill in the role of Harrison Barnes that they won the first championship. Let me give Warriors fans, let me just tell Warriors fans something real quick. That first championship, let's just be honest, it was somewhat of a, a little bit of a fluke. Kyrie Irving breaks his kneecap, I believe, in game one. Kevin Love dislocates his shoulders, so now you just got Matt, uh, LeBron James and Matthew Dellavedova. Now, we run it back to that second year. Harrison Barnes was a free agent that year. He was going to be a free agent that year, and he was asking for max money. Harrison Barnes basically is the reason why the Warriors didn't win that series. It ain't got nothing to do with Draymond Green. Yeah, that, that played a huge factor in it, but Harrison Barnes has not done anything since he's left Golden State. He went to Dallas, got traded in the middle of the game, and went to Sacramento. Sacramento was stupid enough to give him another max deal, and we ain't heard from him since. So I don't know if you want to give that moniker of, well, Andrew Wiggins is going to be the next Harrison Barnes because that ain't somebody that I would put those two and two together. Hey, you know, it's so funny. Do you know why? You know why Harrison Barnes went to North Carolina, right? He goes to college. Because he's from Iowa, of all places, at that. Mom used to make him sit down and watch old video footage of Michael Jordan all the time. Because <laughs> ain't his middle name like Jordan or something? I believe so. I believe so. He, something like that. His mom tried her best to pattern his whole game after Michael Jordan. Like, used to make him sit down and watch those games. I guess, which is really crazy. I I expected more from Harrison Barnes as well, but you know, so it, I, I, you might as well went to Duke. Is the way you're panning out? Anyway, Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I, I was gonna say this, you know, since we're talking about the Golden State Warriors, I don't. I, I guess I'm just, you know, I'm gonna send everybody to Milwaukee, like to recruit Giannis, like they did Kevin Durant in the Hamptons, in order to get him to come play. I mean, they must have a great. You know, they got to get somebody back in order to put themselves That's back what I'm on saying. top. That's what I'm saying. Even with the draft pick that they get, which, let's be honest, BB, this draft class is pretty it's pretty terrible. I can't name you three players in college basketball right now outside of Greg Anthony's son, Cole Anthony, that Jameis uh, Wiseman kid that only played like two games for Memphis. And what's my man's name that plays for Georgia that we still can't name? Edwards is his last name? Number five? Anthony, Anthony Edwards. Thank you. That's the three players of, of college football, uh, basketball that I know. You can't even name nobody from San Diego State? No. Uh, am, am I supposed to? <laughs> Listen, I've watched... Hey, I'll put it like this. Here's the funny part about it. I've watched the number one team in the nation play in Baylor, Baylor right? Bears, right? I, yeah, they, I have interviewed Baylor Bears players, right? And you know the their names? No, don't ask me. The coach name is Scott Drew, right? That's the coach. I know okay. who the coach is. I can't name. I just watched Baylor and UT play the other night, and I've seen three of the young men that I talked to like last month when they were here when they came to play at the Toyota Center. And I'm like, I think I'm going to have to go back and watch the video just so I can be like, yeah, I know three people from the Baylor Bears. <laughs> hey, side note before we move on, Eric. So, question, and I want the, I, I, you know, I want the God honest truth from you, which you always keep it a buck. You always keep it a Integrity. Our core values, integrity. But, you know, I had to question you a little bit. I mean, we're going to, I'm going to have to go back to the last podcast. I had to question you because loyalty was kind of shaky and wavering between the Oakland Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders, and the San Francisco 49ers. 
I understand, you know, but you were wavering a little bit because I caught you with 49ers gear on <laughs> and you're a Raider. So the reason why, you know, I had to bring that up before I before I ask you this question. When the Golden State Warriors first drafted Steph Curry, right? Remember that? Mm-hmm. Were you a fan of keeping Curry and getting rid of Monte Ellis? Or did you want Monte Ellis to stay and maybe get rid of Curry? I know hindsight is 2020, but at that time, which player did you want? Curry or Monte Ellis? Hey, hold on, hold on. I pulled that question out of uh, from, from way, way back, didn't I? It's so way, way back. I remember exactly where I was when that trade happened. No, I, was uh, actually, I do. I remember exactly where I was. I was in Iraq, Ramadi, Ramadi uh, Army Base in, in, in Iraq. I, I remember how they got pulled off. And I remember just saying, what is Chris Mullen doing? And because not to mention Steph Curry's first year, he was injury, injury ridden. Like he had sprained ankles left and right and was just missing games all the time. So when they traded him, everyone was just like, what are they doing? Because Monte Ellis was a walking 26, 27 point dude. And then you bring Bogan, who was another guy who couldn't stay healthy for the longest time. And I remember Chris Mullen, or I, I, it had to be Chris Mullen, getting booed out of the out of the building so bad that Rick Barry had a buck up on the fans and be like, hey, show this man some respect. So yeah, I was one of the people that was like, what in the blue hell is Chris Mullen thinking trading away your best player? For Andrew Bogut, who wasn't even healthy enough to play like 60 games a year. So, yeah, I was one of them, BB. I'm not going to, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I didn't, I, I was like, yeah, you got to keep Monte Ellis over Steph Curry. Like, he's unproven. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that was me. I guarantee you that Monte Ellis had the same mindset that Ricky Davis had when the Cleveland Cavaliers drafted LeBron James. Oh, Oh, y'all done finally got Monte Ellis some help up in here. You see, that's what I'm talking about, because Monte Ellis can't hoop alone. I'm glad y'all brought somebody in here to help out Monte Ellis. That's how Ricky Davis was. I'm glad y'all finally got y'all. I'm glad y'all finally realized that Ricky Davis can't carry this team all by itself. I'm glad y'all went out and got the high school kid to come in and to help me. But Ricky Davis is still the number one option. I'm pretty sure Monte Ellis like, but Monte Ellis is still the number one option. And now, yep. look, as we look back, we're talking about two of arguably the top 10 players to ever play the game. Well, Steph is top Ooh. 10. Top 15? You put Steph top 10? I wasn't even thinking that he was that high. No, no, I'm not talking about right now. I'm talking about of all time. That's what I'm talking about. All time, he's top 15? I Oh, I would definitely put Steph Curry in my top 15. Ooh. Ooh. My top 15? Oh, yes. That you've ever seen or just all time? Like, we're talking like all time, all time, all time. All time. Reggie Miller is in a Ooh. lot of people's top 15. If you're going to put Reggie Miller in there, you damn sure got to put Steph Curry above Reggie Miller. I don't even see Reggie Miller being the top 15 player. Oh, really? Oh, no. Steph Steph Curry is in my top 15 player. Top 15. You know why? Let me let me, let me me get out my, my hands and my, my, my two hands and my two feet right now. Shaq, Kobe, Jordan, LeBron, Magic, Bird, Duncan. Now hold on. Okay, well now, now stop. Those all those players you just named, right? All, all those players you just named were great at what they did, right? Right. They feel better. 
Name me somebody who reinvented a game from a whole different angle like Steph Curry. None of Steph Curry re, Steph Curry reinvented the whole three-point shooting game to a point where now everybody wants to shoot the three. Name me a better three-point shooter than Steph Curry ever. Ever? So, no, nobody. nobody. So when so when you look at Magic Johnson, what did he do? He came into the league and changed the way, changed the perception about small point guards. Now you got the six nine point guard coming in here doing what he's doing. Larry Bird, he's coming in. Here's this white kid from Indiana that can shoot, that can dribble, that can change the perplexity of a game. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I was, was going to name him next. So Shaq, the most dominant big man. Hakeem Olajuwon with the dream shape. Kobe and Jordan with that just Playing pure, above the rim. Yes, that pure stepping on the court. LeBron James coming in as a 6'9", hybrid that is can play any it can play all five i mean it can play four out of the five positions shooting guard was not his thing he can play four out of the five positions and defend all five positions when you when i look at these players when i think about all the time tim duncan the big fundamentals who just will destroy you i can't name you somebody that was better than tim duncan on that low low box and i'm KG? talking about okay huh kg KG was good on that low box, that's but you, I'm not saying not better, not better than Tim Duncan. I'm just saying someone that was probably as good as Tim Duncan. Yes, but so what I'm saying is when I look at my top team, Ray Allen, I'm not putting Ray Allen over yeah. okay. No, yeah. So you, so you got you got to take one shooter. You taking Ray Allen or Steph Curry? I'm gonna take Ray Allen because he can hit the clutch shot. And what? I'm taking. Steph because his range is anywhere he steps on the court. Raiden missed some clutch shots too. And Actually, Steph- if you gave me one shot to take, clutch moment, I might even take KD over Steph, bro. Really? I think so. What are we shooting? I'm talking about shooting a three. I'm talking about shooting a three too. Mm-mm. Oh no, I'm not taking. I'm not. Yeah. I love KD. You know KD, my favorite player. That's what I'm saying. I'm not like, taking. I, I'm not I just taking think KD about up. game three. Two, the first time KD got to the finals, and the Warriors were playing so bad. Like it was. If it wasn't for KD, they wouldn't. Have, they wouldn't even won one of those games in Cleveland, where he yeah. basically. So, and I just remember just him just walking up and hitting that step back Bobby Jack shot. So I. I I'm not knocking Steph. Like, Steph is probably one of my favorite all-time players, but I don't know if he's top 15, BB. Hey, can I ask you a question? For, okay, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions right quick, right? Okay. So, are you saying that that Steph Curry and his skill set isn't separate like what we talked about earlier? His three-point shooting changed the whole complexity of the NBA, correct? Now it did. It did. Three, right? Yeah. As okay. far as contribution to the game, yeah, he's there. Okay. Second. How many unanimous NBA MVPs have there been? Unanimous. None, except for him. And you can't you can't find any way to put him in the top fifteen. How many threes did he hit? Did he hit four hundred threes in the season? Something like that. Uh, I believe. I think maybe last year, or the year before. It was like two or three years ago. He hit like yeah. four hundred threes. So what I'm saying is, is that. And would you not say I will put it like this? I would put him in top twenty, I, hands down. Hands down, he's top 20. Um, 
my top in my top 15 and of course you know for for the listeners we we have to know for the listeners of this podcast we know that that is subjective who oh, your top like yeah because lebron james is my greatest of all times and when i say that people look at me like i'm stupid how dare you put him over jordan well it's what whatever you look at it as i pick i i i factor in the that LeBron James is top 10 in all time uh, for assists as a power forward. Small forward slash power forward. Yeah. Like, like that means a lot. That means he's yeah. getting other players involved. So not only does he have the points, not only does he have the rebounds, he's manufacturing other points, meaning he's getting the ball right players at the right time. All Everybody else in top 10 is point guards. And then you get to him small forward. That, that, like, to yeah. me, I'm like, that's what takes him over the top. So all I'm saying is, is that it's a subjective type thing. For sure. That you could say when, now, a better question is, I heard this thing today. Do you think that Trey Young is a superstar? Any star on the All-Star team? Yeah, I don't know how, but yeah. <laughs> uh, is Trey Young a and take him off? Bro, the East is so garbage right now. I don't even think Temple Walker should have been the starter, bro. Like, that's how bad the East is. Like, I can't name another. I mean, Kyrie Irving hasn't played enough games, but I would put him in over Trey Young. Or, well, not this year. But I think Kyrie Irving is a better guard. Ah, guards in the East. Let me just start going through teams. I don't uh, know three people that play for the New York Knicks. I don't you know put three Van, Hold on. Would you put Van Fleet over at Trey Young? Because Van Fleet be Maybe. Balling. Maybe Lowry. No. no. Oh, Trey Young. I think, Van Fleet. I think that listen. I think that outside of Siakam for Toronto, Van Fleet is the next best player on that team. Uh, over Gasol. Huh? Let's, bro, be honest with yourself. Last time you said anything about Marcus Gasol. Like, come on. Please. That's true. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay. All right. So yeah, I can see Van Fleet. Yeah, Van Fleet. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if Oladipo didn't get hurt uh, last year, I think he's a better guard than Van Fleet. Uh, uh, Trey Young. Uh, guards, guards, guards. Next team, next team. So you got Chicago. I can't name three people that play for Chicago. This is how bad the East is, BB. I can't name three people in Chicago. I can't name three people in Charlotte. But what about the New high York. flyer out of uh, Chicago? Gordon is no. Zach Gordon Levine. Is the other one. Yeah. He's throwing up some nice numbers. Levine. And look, I'm going off the top of the head. Levine, what is the tall white guy that they got that they can shoot him? Oh, Mark, I can't remember uh, his name. Uh, I know you're talking about. Um, it starts with an M. Uh, yeah, and, and Kobe White. No, no. Well, you just said we're naming players on the team. Oh, oh okay, okay, okay. Oh, okay. As I was. Okay. Okay. I was going to say, okay. Uh, Cleveland, I, I know. Uh, Colin Sexton is is on the team. Uh, Laurie Markin uh, is the guy from the uh, that big tall, the big tall guy yeah. from. He's a seven footer. Uh, or Tristan Kardashian is still with Cleveland too. He is. Uh, I'm trying to think. So let me. Uh, so I'm looking at the East right now, BB. Detroit. Uh, no. Bucks. No. That's what I'm saying. Like if you're talking about guard play in the East, it is so bad. I can't name you. Two other guards that should have been an all-star over uh, Trey Young. And the reason why those two aren't all-stars is because they've been injured. And that's Kyrie Irving and and uh, 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 Victor Oladipo. So now imagine when KD comes back. Now you got him coming in. 
is he, are you going to put Siakam over KD next year? Probably not. Like, this is how bad the talent, like, this is how stacked the West is compared to the East. Half of those, half of those guys that are on the East roster, never, if, if, never in a million years, they would have sniffed an all-star team the way the paradigm shift has shifted over to the West this year, bro. Kawhi yeah. leaves, Kawhi leaves and goes to the West. Uh, Paul George stays in the West, but I'm just looking at the paradigm shift, bro. And I'm I'm gonna look at this uh, All Star game, and I'm gonna look at this East roster one more time because I can't believe some of these jokers are on this team. So, uh, you got Siakam, Embiid, Campbell Walker, Trey Young, Chris Middleton, Middleton, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, uh, Jason Tatum, <laughs> uh, the Sabonis kid out of the Pacers. I mean, what? And Ben Simmons. Like, what? And I know Sabonis is a pretty good baller, but also, what? Come on, man. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's a joke, bro. It's, it's literally a joke. And so, when you ask the question, is Trey Young a star? I mean, yeah, look how... Okay, let me ask you this question, BB. Because the East only plays the West twice a year, as far as scheduling-wise, as far as each team. And then they play each other either respectively three times a year or four times a year, depending on what di- what division they're playing that year. So, um, so can you hear me now? I'm sorry about yeah, that. Yeah. I had a little technical. So you have two. You have two different. So you have two different schedules with the East playing the West twice twice a year. If Trey Young was in the West, do you think he would get that much notary over? Let's just say a Dame, a Steph, a Clay, a CJ McCollum. Um, who else is playing guard play out there in the West? Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, um, even Devin so, Booker of the Phoenix Suns. You see what I'm saying, BB? Wait, hold on. Here's the question. Who is he playing for? The Hawks. No, 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 no. If, who is he? Oh, what team West. are you putting him on in the West? I'll put it like this. Put Trey Young on Denver. I guarantee he's a superstar. Trey Young on Denver? Oh, that's all they're missing is a shooter. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. hold on. Put Trey Young on the Mavericks to go on the other side of Luka. Which is ironic because they traded for each other. Uh-huh. Which is ironic because they traded for each other this year. Or they got traded for each other last year. Um I, I, I don't know where else could Trey Young could go in the West, but on could, those two teams, and Denver is a, is a playoff uh, uh, playoff contender. So I they are. Like this. Hold on, you put Trey Young as the point guard for the Clippers. You put Trae that's what Young I was thinking. I was that's who I was just thinking about, BB. You put him yeah. as a, on the Clippers, and you got problems. Wait, hold on. You really want him to be a superstar? Make him point guard of the Lakers, and yeah. watch. Yeah. Because all they're missing is a ball handler. Absolutely. Absolutely. I 100% agree. So it's Trey Young. And then I guess people are saying that Trey Young is a little salty that he didn't even get named to the top 44 um, finalists for the USA national team for the Olympics this year. I'm like, bro, nah, man. Like, there's like 44, there's 54 players that are probably got more notary than you do right now, man. Like, God ease, bro. So. Yep. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know about Trey Young. Like, I think he's a great player, but he's got to start turning these great numbers into Ws. And he's also got to play some type of defense because he's actually one of the worst defender, defensive players in the NBA. Like, he is bad. Everyone knocks James Harden for not playing defense, but this dude is terrible in the great words of Charles Barkley, man. Like, it's bad. 
So, um, yeah, I, I just, so, I mean, if we're going back to um, the trade as far as the Wiggins uh, D'Angelo Russell trade, I don't know how I feel about it. Like, it's definitely something that needs to be played out. And I'm going to be a BB. I'm going I'm to call it, bro. I don't think Andrew Wiggins is going to be able to buy a house this year in the Bay Area. I think he's going to be on the move. I would not be surprised. And you heard it here on the Sports Business Podcast, but I honestly think Andrew Wiggins will not be a Golden State Warrior next year. Andrew Wiggins will be on the East where he's going to thrive and make himself look so much better than he really is, but he's going to be in a weak Eastern Conference. Yeah, and we just named, we just showed you how weak the Eastern Conference is. I can't, because think about it, BB. If you have the number, possibly the number one overall draft pick, you have Andrew Wiggins, who's on paper, if you look at his paper, his resume on paper, he looks like a great player as far as numbers-wise goes. You have an uh-huh. additional first-round pick for next year that's top three protected, which Minnesota, they shouldn't be one of the three worst teams next year, but who knows? They could possibly wind up there. But if it is top three protected in 2022, it becomes unprotected. So that means that basically no matter no, no matter how bad Minnesota plays in 2022, that if they're the worst team, it still automatically goes to the Warriors if 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 they become the top three protected this year. So you're looking at three huge assets right there that you can unload and like who so if you go to Milwaukee and pick up the phone and call 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 the Bucks GM and say, hey, I got two possibly top five picks and one of them is about a top two pick. And Andrew Wiggins, you think you're not gonna pick up the phone and try to get somebody else who's coming in one of these draft classes? I mean they got a they got a lot of ammo, not to mention they got four second-round draft picks as well. So they got ammo that they could put in. And as much as he's probably my favorite player in the NBA, who's to say we might not add Draymond Green in the East and, and put that in there as a nice little buffer? Man, if anybody needs a, like, i put it like this. <laughs> if anybody needs their daddy to come home and restore order, it's Draymond Green. Oh, That's my God, saying. he needs Clay and, uh, uh, to come back yeah in. yeah so, so so yeah i agree with you so y'all heard it here on the sports business podcast if andrew wiggins gets shipped somewhere y'all heard it from here because i haven't heard anybody say that they possibly may be getting rid of I, I i don't think it's a permanent i don't think it's a good fit and please ladies and gentlemen stop referring this to harrison barnes a better version because harrison barnes was i'm not even gonna lie he was no he needed to go and I even said, even if the Warriors won that championship that year, that year he needed to go because he was not a max player. He wasn't worthy of a max deal. And he's, you know, kind of frazzled out in Sacramento. So, eh, okay. So moving on in the show, BB. Uh, man, you covered the Astros uh, a lot. Uh, you're one of the, you work for the Houston Style Magazine down there in Houston, and you know you do a pretty good job. You do a great job actually covering the Astros, but. I thought we switched it in gears being the fact that catchers and pitchers actually report. Some teams actually started reporting as early as yesterday and today. Um, MLB, uh, you know, the, the, as far as trying to keep up with more advanced uh, uh, leagues such as the NBA as well as the National Football League, they're having a hard time trying to get new fans or just even retaining their fans. So one idea that is being kind of floated around right now is possibly switching up their playoff format. So right now, if I'm not mistaken, there are 10 teams respectively that are able to make the playoffs. Like 10 teams usually is what it gets into the playoffs, right? Yeah, is it 10? Yeah, it's so. 10. No, it, wait, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Mm, is it? But I'm, let me think. It's one wild card game. That's two teams. 
and the three division winners. Yes, so let's see. Okay, yeah. Three plus two is ten. Or three plus two is five, and then you do it on both uh, leagues, that's ten. So they're thinking about expanding it to 14 teams in the playoffs. With the first, the top seeded teams in baseball receiving a bye, and I believe the second and third seed team will be able to pick their wild card opponent, sort of like a selection Sunday. And I guess the division winners, the second and third seeded team, will get three straight home games. So that means the wild card team doesn't even get a home game. And they play that on the road. And then I guess the loser or the winner of that will play the uh, the winner of the top overall seed. Uh, yeah, so we got a lot to, to 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 decipher right there. You got the top, the the second and third seeded team are going to be on like a selection Sunday show and pick their opponents respectively on national TV. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, here, so here's the thing. I don't like it. I don't, and I understand what the okay. The baseball ratings have been down for a long, long, long time. Attendance up is until, down as well. Up until last year, when during the regular season there uh, there was some talks that the ball was juiced and they were jumping out of the park and which got interest back up because home runs. And then, you know, you had the World Series and the Astros lost to the Nationals. And then all of a sudden the Astros became the stepchild and I'm sorry, the poster child for cheating all of a sudden since 2017. And MLB wants to make the example out of them, even though they have multiple teams that have been cheating and using some of the same methods that the Astros have. I digress. They can talk, people can talk about how mad they are about the Astros cheating. People can talk about how mad they are about everything that went on in 2017. But this is what baseball needs. Rob Manfred is sitting back. Name the last time since the World Series you've talked about baseball this long. Since um, October, we've been talking about cheating scams. Yeah, we have. I've heard it, they've made baseball, some baseball writers and analysts relevant again. Some that be, let's put it like this. I didn't know who the hell Jeff Passon was. I seen him at the All-Star Game, and I had seen him at the World Series, but I didn't know who he was. He was just another dude, and now I'm like, oh, he's right. all on the television. So, yeah. You know, they keep running all this stuff about the Astros. And the reason why I preface my statement by saying that is they're trying to build off the momentum and keep the attention of the average fan who does not watch baseball. So they're like, okay, we got them. We can keep beating this drum about how the Astros cheated. Now let's throw this in here and see if they like this. Let's try to do some major network type thing and make it happen. And what they're going to do is they're going to isolate the pure baseball fan who loves to complain about everything. And then they're going to have to change it back. So I don't even know why they would even propose this. Well, I automatically. So here's there's there's gains and losses. And you do a lot of the 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 player analy- analyzing and looking you know getting to hear what players have to say 
as opposed to my approach in sports is always looking at kind of like the financial aspect of things. So, you know, I look at it as, okay, cool. We have this proposal of baseball is trying to expand their postseason. All right. So I know that's going to drive some type of revenue, play, you know, more, more of a national TV schedule, more, you know, more being more networks being able to fight for that playoff for the MLB postseason rights, which right now, I mean, a lot of these games are on FS1, and I'm going to be honest with you, BB. I got every cable channel known to mankind, and I'd still be having a hard time trying to locate FS1 sometimes. So the fact that it's not even on Fox Sports, and you got some of these games on TBS, you got this game on Fox Sports 1, which is equivalent to, like, ESPN2, technically. Like, I'm going to be like, it's bad. So here's the thing when I say gains and losses and how this is going to create revenue. So now you're adding, let's just say you have, so that's, three games that will go so four so four teams so four series right there that could go up to three games so four times three is 12 12 games so where are you going to be able to fit these 12 games in an outdoor predominantly sports game team or sport being held that a majority of the sports teams are playing outdoors where a lot of these teams are playing north you know up north on i-95 chicago um, Kansas City, uh, what name? Uh, Seattle. Now you start getting into October and no, you know, late September, October, and right around November. How are they going to be? So are they going to scale back on the regular season and go from 162 games down to, I don't know, 152, 142, um, before they stretch it out to one? Like, where are they going to be able to fit these games? Are they going to play it at a neutral site? What's going to happen if there's a weather delay? Also, you know. How are this like? How are the playoff shares going to go now? Not to mention, now you're opening it up to 14 teams out of 30, which is practically 50 percent of your actual actual league. So I know I believe over the last four years, if they would have went with this model, only four teams would have went into the playoffs with an under 500 team, 500 record. So we're almost giving everybody participation trophies at this point. If we're giving about 48 about 48 percent of the league. Uh, invite to the the big tournament basically as we should say for the world series i don't know if bringing more teams in is better i don't know what the answer is but i don't i know for a fact that this ain't it and then not to mention baseball is very much so a i don't want to say it's a dry sport so now we're gonna have a selection sunday where you got name the new manager for the uh dusty baker Dusty Baker is the manager for the Astros. Who's going to be the one that announces on behalf of the Houston Astros that the Houston Astros would like to play the Oakland Athletics? Like, how are they going to try to make... Are they going to try to make this into, like, a WWE? We're going to try to create some type of rivalry and say, yeah, we don't want to play... We chose not to play the Oakland Athletics because we sat there and swiped them up and down all year long in the division uh, in the AL West. We wanted to go play the Tampa Bay Rays because we think that it's an easier cakewalk. Like, now you got to sit there and try to build some type of super duper superficial feud with these two teams on why you chose one and not the other. I just don't see where there's a win-win positivity out of any one of these situations, bro. Yes. <laughs> so, and that's, that's a lot to take in. Thing. Yeah. That's all I got, bro. Hey, can I side note right quick? What's up? How do you feel about the Astros hiring Dustin Baker? <laughs> 
I'm can hold on before you answer that. Let me just say this. I don't know if I said this before, and I hope I'm not repeating myself, but I will say this again. I just don't feel like Dusty is going to fit in because I feel like he's the old, he's the grumpy old man that gonna look over at Bregman after he hit a home run and they all in there celebrating. Or your dog hits one and they're celebrating. He gonna turn around. Y'all sit y'all ass down somewhere over there making all that noise now. You got all that racket going on. Sit down. Play. Look, you hit the ball, you run the bases, you come back in here and you sit down. Don't let me tell y'all again. So, as my as my great grandmother would say, she would say, "Stop all that skylarking." I don't know what skylarking <laughs> meant. I don't know what skylarking meant whenever my nana said it, but I know that if you would have kept that skylarking going on, there was gonna be some serious consequences and repercussions. So, in the city. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I, so Dusty Baker, I have a so well for the listeners out here. I'm a huge San Francisco Giants fan. I actually used to work at AT&T Park selling ice cream. So I'm kind of embedded with the Giants. So I remember the year that they lost to the Astros, which was in 01, um, that they lost. And I remember, I think it was like game five or six. Russ Ortiz had pitched a pretty doggone, he pitched a doggone good game. And usually, so Dusty Becker comes out, does the pitching change, goes to the bullpen. He gave Russ he gave Russ Ortiz the ball, which you just don't do. Gave him the ball, and it was just curtains after that. I don't know even I don't even know I think uh, I don't even know who was on that team on the Astros. It was it was before Pujols got there, so I don't know yeah. who was on the team. But all I know is uh, they was out there slapping home runs left and right, and they ended up losing the whole series. And I always blame that on Dusty Dusty Baker for him giving Russ Ortiz that ball. I believe in game five or six. So I don't know, and I feel like. He, I don't. I think he's a PR stunt. Not, he's a PR cover-up thing. So when Barry Bonds was going through his whole PED situation, Dusty Baker was there to kind of cover things up. When I believe the Nationals, they had a somewhat of an issue. You can kind of re- rejog my memory on that. I believe the Nationals had somewhat of a, a flaky situation. Um, he was kind of there to clean things up as well. So I think Dusty Baker is like your. We're, oh no, Chicago during the PED scandal when he was the man, uh, manager for the Cubs. I, I take that back. It was with Sammy Sosa. He was the manager there, and you know Sammy Sosa went from being dark skin and turned light skin and was out here hitting 66 home runs and out of nowhere. And he was there to kind of clean things up. So I think everywhere of Dusty Baker's gone. I don't know if he's in it to win or I don't know what the GM tells him, but it's more like, hey, we need you to clean this mess up and just try to get these guys to win some ball games. So. I think baseball maybe is just a little bit past old Mr. Baker's time, but like you said, I don't know if he's going to mix well with this younger millennial, younger type of crowd where, you know, they like, they're trying to make baseball fun. And I don't know if he's going to be with all that celebrating and whatnot, but I do know that he needs a World Series ring to get into uh, Cooperstown. So if I were him, so I don't know. This is true. And. Man, it's just I gotta say, it's gonna be interesting. That's all. I'm just trying to get your a feel for what you had to say about it. So it will be interesting. So yeah, I don't I don't know what's gonna happen. Uh, I know. And look, I'm not trying to uh, hog the uh, podcast, but I got one more question for, for you sure. before we before before we get ready to end. How did you, yeah. you feel about the XFL this past weekend? Man, great minds think alike. Because I was just about to ask you the same thing, uh, brother. <laughs> I was legit just about to ask you the same thing. Um, I saw a little bit of that. So, in fact, me and you talked uh, earlier this week, and uh, did, uh, we talked about it. And I saw a little bit of it when I went out to dinner Sunday. 
Um, and I believe Dallas, which was, according to Caesars Sportsbook, was like favored to win the XFL championship. And it was like going into the second or third quarter where they hadn't even scored a point. Neither team had scored a point. So I was like, is the scoreboard broken? Like, I, I thought that there was supposed to be pace of play and the game was supposed to be sped up so that there's a lot more scoring. And all I saw was, uh, what's my guy's name that played for the Steelers, the quarterback, and ended up, like, getting hurt. And they had, like, a... Landry uh, Jones? Yeah, Landry Jones. Thank you. He put a quarterback for Oklahoma. Um, ended up, like, hurting his knee right before the game or something. And they had a, a Instagram model who was an underwear model that was being the quarterback um, for this D.C. team or for the Dallas team. So... I was, I was like, okay, like, is Landry Jones not playing and they're, like, going on a two-quarterback system? I didn't know because the South wasn't on. So, I say that saying, BB, I don't know what my take is. I think I would have to watch another another week of it. But then it's like, okay, do I want to waste another two or three hours on what may or may not be quality football? And I know you covered the Houston Renegades, if I'm not correct. If that is something in Roughnecks, Roughnecks. You cover the Roughnecks debut with Cardell. Is Cardell Jones the quarterback for that team? Cardell Jones is the quarterback for the DC Renegades. Well, then there you see. I, I'm out here shooting <laughs> from the hip to trying to sound like I know what I'm talking about. But PJ you, Walker, PJ Walker is uh, out of Temple. Is okay. a quarterback for the uh, is a quarterback for the Houston Roughnecks. And I would just say this briefly. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for the fact that you know it's. Not as great quality as an NFL game, but it's not as worse as some college games. So it's right in between. You got these. It's right in the middle. You know, they give you just enough to keep you interested. And when you're watching a team like the Roughnecks who runs a pure June Jones run and shoot, it is mm -hmm. it's great. And, From you know, Hawaii P.J. Walker coach. should have probably had 500 yards passing if he would have, you know, hit open receivers. But it was the first game of the season. And so, you know, they say he said he said to himself he missed a lot of open reads and, mm -hmm. you know, missed some passes. But I like it. And I like the fact that the fact that they secure TV deals, you know exactly where to go. You don't got to go looking for it on Bleacher Report or Yahoo. They got them on, they got them on ESPN and Fox. So they 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 got they got their attention they got the big network's attention on these tv deals like you said so um yes. we'll see how it plays out i mean i don't think it's going to be like the AA, AA, aaf or afl yeah it was AAF. aaf so uh we'll see how it plays out i mean I'm, i i hope it works out and i hope somehow there's a, some type of like a farm system because if you look at it the major league baseball minor leagues nba g league or overseas Football, NFL used to have uh, NFL Europe um, a long time ago. I know they have the CFL. They, they used to have the Arena League where they can kind of poach off of there. But there's really no legit farm system for the NFL. And I believe this is not a bad idea uh, for the NFL or for the XFL to kind of flourish and get those football junkies who need that niche from the end of Super Bowl all the way up to about the draft. I forgot. I think it's 10 weeks is that if the schedule is, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, but then the other the other side is, well, if they wasn't good enough to play in the pros, why would I want to watch them in the XFL? So you got those people saying too. So I would say, give it a chance. Um, I kind of wish there were, I mean, I know there's games on Saturdays and Sundays, but I kind of like the whole Sunday because Saturdays I'm always doing something or running around, you know, doing something and, Watching a football game on Saturday is just not my MO, but I was able to catch a little bit of so. I, I would say I don't know enough to make a judgment, but I am willing to give it another week to see what I can get off of it. Yeah, I think it's going to be really good. Um, 
is going to you know keep you interested. And if they they can get the NFL involved, maybe next year, maybe they can. Get I do some say more type of, not uh-huh. to cut you not not to cut you off, BB. I do like the kickoff rule. I, I do like that, where basically they're all down between the what is that the twenty to twenty five yard thirty to thirty five yard line on the opposite end. The kid, they cannot move until the ball is being kicked, so it kind of brings up, and the ball has to be between the twenty or the twenty yard line or their end zone for them to, uh, for that to actually be an actual kick. I like that idea. To, they are involving player safety in the evolution of football, so I did like what I saw on the kickoffs. That was pretty dope. And if the kickoff, the kicks don't even make it to the twenty yard line, I think it comes out to the thirty-five or forty yard line. It's almost like an uh, illegal, uh, illegal kick. So I kind of like that. That was pretty dope. So. Um, yeah, I, I would say give the XFL. I would give it another week, and if I don't like it, then I'm by. Uh, uh. But it's yeah. enough for me to it's enough for me to say I will try it next week. So we'll see. But um, with that being said, BB, it is time for the Sports Business Podcast Big Dummy of the Day. Day, um, BB, I will let you go first because I got two, and the second one is pretty interesting actually. Okay, so my. Hold on, let me make sure you can hear me. My big sports dummy of the day goes to none other than the new head football coach at Michigan State, former head football coach at Colorado University, Mel Tucker. Now, Mel, listen, it is bad. It is already hard enough for African-Americans to get jobs as far as head coaching is concerned in the college ranks and even in the pro. pro it's ranks. even harder in the pros. Yeah, it's very hard when you got two African-American office coordinators who will not even get a chance. They put a special teams guy in a coaching position before they put Eric B. In. So I understand. Mm-hmm. So Mel Tucker, you know, I, I, Mel Tucker, which is he... So let me give you the backstory. Mel Tucker was a coach of Colorado. Michigan State, after their coach resigned, Tony, suddenly retired, retired, whatever does it. He got he left before the feds and the laws got to him because you know that there was an investigation coming down the pipeline, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was an investigation coming down the pipeline, so he got out. So mm-hmm. Michigan State came to Mel Tucker. What was that? Like a week ago, two weeks ago? Something like that. Made him mm-hmm. an offer. And he said, no, I'm not going to do it. No, I'm here with Colorado for good, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then after the recruit, recruiting process, after everything went down, they came back to him, doubled the money, doubled the money for the assistant, gave him a little bit more perks, and then Mel Tucker was out. He didn't even <laughs> give Colorado a chance to come back and counter the offer. He was just out, which led, even led to a former uh, NFL player, great NFL player who should be in the Hall of Fame right now, Drew Pearson, who was the wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys, came out and said, you know, man, you came and you recruited my grandson and told Ooh. him he was here to stay you was going to do this, that, and the other. And then Ooh. all of a sudden, you just up and leave. You just up and leave. And also, Ooh. this is the same Mel, Mel Tucker who said, and I'm using, and I'm quoting this from the uh, 247sports.com in late October, Tucker made comments ripping the transfer portal and how players jump from school to school at the 11th hour, Tucker essentially just did the same thing there's mm-hmm. no there's no transfer portal in the real world, Tucker said, let me repeat that again in late October, he said there's no 
transfer portal. For those of you all listening and not aware of what the transfer portal is, that is fine. What the NCAA finally did was allow these students to put their names in the transfer portal and leave the schools. And it has to still be approved by the NCAA and by the school, but at least they have an opportunity and a chance to put their name out there so that maybe they can get away from the school that they and were hope at. they don't have to sit out a year at that. Yes. And so for him to come in and, and dog the kids out and say, there's no transfer portal in the real world, and, and then you up and you do this, you leave those kids who you went in their homes and ate their food and, you know, drunk they, they, the juice and yep. soda or whatever, the wine, whatever you had while you on that recruiting visit. And you sat down there and you looked in these parents' eyes and, and told them you were going to take care of their kids. And they trusted that they trusted you with their child. And then you up and you leave them for more money. But you, you come back. But, but then we have this hypocritical statement that you made in October where you said, there is no transfer portal in the real world. Well, I guess it is, Mel Tucker, since all you got to do is come along with more money and then you're out. Like, yeah. no possible way Mel Tucker can come sit in my, my living room and tell Uh-oh. me as the head coach of Michigan State, yeah, I come to, uh, you know, to, I think that your kid would do, do really well at wide receiver for Michigan State. And I was like, well, for how long? How long are you going to be there, Mel? Put it in right. Put it yeah. in right. That's what I'm, that's what I think that they should, if they're, if they're going to allow these coaches to keep doing this, then remove the transfer portal, right? They remove the to. transfer portal. And if a kid wants to leave at the end of the year, just let him go. Because there's no accountability for these coaches Zilch. who can just no, up and up. leave when they want to. Oh, I put it like this. When Tom Hearn left the University of Houston to go to, to uh, the University of Texas, I think his buyout clause may have been, I don't know, anywhere between four and six million dollars. The a booster, one booster or ad, athletic booster from the University of Texas, one yeah. person that that's a former alumni from the University of Texas can write that check. That's their shoe money. That's their hey, I'm about to go and have the buffet, mm-hmm. which is code word for I'm going to the strip club or yeah. the gentleman's club. When you rich, you call it gentleman's club. When you hold it, call it the strip club. Strip club. I'm going yep. to the gentleman's establishment. That's that money right there. That's they tricking off I'm paying bills for other people money. They wrote yeah. that check and said, come on. Because if they want who they want, they're going to get it. <clears throat> so there's no repercussion for the coaches. But for the kids, it's always something. And here's my thing. You make it more harder for the talent than you do the people who are coaching the talent. And yeah. I'm done. I can go this for all day, bro. But I'm, I'm upset that Mel Tucker would do this. And especially... You do this to, I, I had a problem with, I have a problem with any coach doing that, but especially an African-American male going in, sitting in some of these, uh, these uh, rural slum areas, some of these inner city areas, some of these ghettos and trusting these single moms. I mean, getting these single moms to trust him with their children. And then they send them to Colorado and you leave. So you're sitting, you want my son, you want my son to come to the University of Colorado. You know, I've heard some really bad things about Colorado in general. And you want me to send my kid from uh, from Florida to there, or from Texas to there, or from California. California, you want yeah. My son 
But as soon as I send them to you, you gone. I'm out. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know that Michigan State had already hired a coach, but apparently they did. So I got two. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna give them both. They're not as deep as what BB just did, but they're pretty they're pretty they're pretty interesting. So BB, who holds the NFL record for the sacks in the in the season? Michael Strahan, right? Oh, yeah. In the season or all time? No, in the season. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, no, in the season, not all time. I'm talking about in the season. You had it right, Michael Strahan. For all time, right? No, no, in the season. Okay, yeah, the one that uh, Brett Favre gifted him. Yeah. So, so you have okay. So let me. So with that being said, who had the sack, the NFL single season sack record before Michael Strahan? Who was it before that? Ooh, Reggie White. I thought it was him too. Actually, it wasn't. Who was? Do you know a guy by the name of Mark Gastineau? The one who used to be married to Brigitte Nelson from Rocky. I believe so. Hold on. Yeah, he was. Nelson was the wife of Ivan Drago in the Rocky movies. And she was in Beverly Hills Cop. Yes, I was about to say she played a villain in Beverly Hills Cop. Yes, that was his wife. I didn't know that. Okay. Well, yeah, him or her or him. <laughs> so Mark Gastonow, <laughs> Mark Gastonow, who I didn't know until literally about two or three days ago, had the sack record before Michael Strand had it. Um, I believe he got that in the early 2000s where Brett Favre almost practically gifted him that sack record. So apparently he comes out of the woodworks, not to mention this dude's not in the Hall of Fame. Um, was he was a five-time Pro Bowler, um, and he was actually he's probably the one he's he's a good he's a good pass rusher, but he's not a Reggie White, he's not a Lawrence Taylor, he's not a Michael Strahan, uh, Dwight Freeney. He's 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 a good pass rusher. He was a, he was an established pro. So the guy comes out of the woodworks and just out of the clear blue says, "Yeah, um, that sack record still should be mine because Michael Strahan didn't really earn it. Brett Favre kind of." slid down so I still should be the sack uh, the NFL single season sack record bro who are you like I legitimately had to like Wikipedia you and I'm only 32 so I can only imagine BB you you a little bit older than me I don't did you know who Mark Gaston was outside of him being uh, married to the alphabet killer in Beverly Hills Cop 2 yeah and he used to play for the Jets but, uh, BB not to sit there and show your wisdom and your 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 uh your your age but how much older are you than me if I'm 32, then you are 48. Proud of it. Just turned 48, by the way. Happy belated birthday. Yeah. Yes. So that's what I'm saying. Nobody outside of the in their early 40s would know who Mark Gaston now is. So, bro, who are you to be coming out of the woodwork to be saying, hey, I should still be the single season sack record because Michael Strahan didn't really earn it. And it was gifted to him by Brett Favre when he just slid down and when he saw uh when he saw Michael Strahan coming around that other corner. I saw that play, BB. Yes, it does look like Brett Favre kind of gifted him, but I think Michael Strahan still would have just took his head off, regardless, even if Brett Favre didn't slide down. So it's like, bro, you're trying to still collect some type of fame that nobody knows who you are, unless you're trying to tap into a new market, unless you're trying to promote something, which I don't know if you are or not. But bro, let it go. Like you had a nice run. You were a single sack. You were the single season sack record holder for a good while, over ten plus years. So let it go and just be past your time. Like you said, nobody really remembers who had it before then. So be easy, man. It's cool. Nice, nice. Hasta luego. It's time, time is passed. Time is passed up on you. And someday, eventually, Michael Strahan will get his sack record broken. 
And I'm pretty sure he won't have any issues with it as well. So with that being said, Mark Mark Gaston, now you are the big dummy today. And I did learn something new today that he was married, married to Brigitte Nelson. So so that was hey, the number one. Go ahead. And I was just going to say, did you know also that the reason why he said that he, well, why he resurfaced, he said if Pete Rose can come out and have his name brought back up, then I feel like I should be able to do it too. So Pete Rose is the reason why I'm back. If you don't cut it out, bro, Pete Rose, I believe, has the all, isn't he the all-time hits leader in baseball? Mm-hmm. Okay, I rest my case. Like <laughs> Charlie Hustle is it, you got Charlie Hustle, aka Pete Rose, and Mark Gastineau. All right, let's yep. just leave it at that. That's that's all I gotta say. Charlie Hustle, Pete Rose, Mark Gastineau. I could almost even be cool if Lawrence Taylor said something. If Lawrence Taylor was a single season sack record holder, and it happened to like I can understand that. But Mark Gastineau, nobody know. Like I don't know who you are. And I probably would never know who you was until you came out of the woodwork saying this buffoonery. That, I mean, Michael Strahan, I think he's already in the Hall of Fame. So he's been retired for over five years now. So cut it out, bro. Like, seriously, end it. So that was the first one. So the second one, man, I've been telling my family this story. And I think I'm going to tell you the story because we got a few minutes left. I got to get the big dummy today also to me, man, to myself. So, um, yeah, yeah. I don't even think I told you this story, D.D. So I'm going to give you a quick little story and I'll tell you why I gave myself a big W today. So like we had an episode a few weeks ago where you told me no cap about me buying a house. So I went through one of the rookie mistakes of a homeowner. So I got home the other day. I pull up to the house. The smoke, the the fire alarm's going off in the house. Like you just hear the hee, hee, hee. I'm like, okay. Well, I don't see nothing smoking. So, you know, I'm looking around the house, go, you know, check around the perimeter, make sure ain't nothing smoking. Make sure everything cool in the yard, in the pool. Everything looked good out there. So I opened up the door, sniff around, walk through every room in the house, make sure ain't nothing burning, nothing's on. Fire alarm's just trying, just going off. So I'm like, all right, cool. Mind you, baby, we talked about this earlier. Did you ask me, he was like, have I moved fully in there? I'm like, no. So I actually don't really have a lot of furniture in there. So what I ended up having to do, <laughs> so the smoke detectors are going off. I'm like, okay, well, maybe the batteries just need to be pulled out. I'm only 5758 at the top. So I ain't cream my dude's bar. I ain't Joe High BB where I could just reach up to the ceiling and just take down these smoke detectors. So I didn't have a step ladder or a ladder or anything. The closest thing I had was my grandmother's dining room furniture. So I pulled out one of the chairs and climb on top of it and try to pull out the battery. The smoke detectors are still going off, BB. Just, just loud. They, they loud too, bro. They just loud. So I'm like, I'm like, all right, cool. So the, so I take the batteries out. One of the batteries out. I'm like, okay, why, why are all the other smoke detectors going off? So I untwist the, the twist the smoke detector off the ceiling and it's connected directly into the power. I'm like, all right, I ain't never seen nothing like this before. So I'm trying to pull pull the power, the source of power off of the smoke detector, but I'm too short to like maneuver it. I'm not even like on a high enough ladder or anything to be pulling anything. I'm damn near about to fall over the chair. And I was like, all right, cool. So I was like, all right, let me go to another smoke detector, try to hit the reset button. It's going off the whole time, baby. I'm like, all right, bro, like, what can I do? So I was like, so I was going to call my godmama because my godmama is like my right hand person. Like she's, she's my Wikipedia that knows everything about everything. And I was like, no, I can't call it for every little thing. I was like, I got to figure this out. You got to figure this out on home. You can't be calling everybody for every little problem that you got. So you got to sit there and utilize some critical thinking skills. Bro, tell me why I called 911. <laughs> Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
You call 911 so you could stop your fire alarms from beeping. Yes, yes. So I called 911 and I said, hey, I'm fine, but my smoke detectors are going off and I don't know how to cut them off. Can you please send the fire department out? And the lady goes, I'm transferring you over to the non-emergency line. Future reference, that's 311 here in Las Vegas. And I was yeah. like, all right. So I'm like, all right, cool, bet. So the dispatcher gets on the phone and it was like, how can we help you? I told him what the situation was. They was like, all right, cool. We're going to send somebody out. So BB, I'm thinking they're not going to send nobody out for like a good 30, 45 minutes. So the house, the smoke detectors are still going off and I'm outside and I hear somebody out and the neighbors are like, dang, I really wish somebody would know how to turn these freaking smoke detectors off because it's ruining my whole entire day. I was like, man, I got to do something about it. So needless to say, there's a fire truck that looks like a Decepticon that comes rolling down the street, bro. That thing was the biggest fire truck I've ever seen in my life. And it was like one of these fancy high-speed fire trucks where like when the door opens, it's like an Escalade. So the little footstool thingies, the little step ladders, they automatically come down. Bro, tell me why six fire and firemen came to the house and they started asking me all these questions. So they was like, well, what's going on? I'm like, you don't hear the smoke? They're like, I don't know what I'm doing. So the guy goes, well, did you take the batteries out? So I'm looking at him like he's stupid, like, yeah, I did that. And he goes, well, when was this house built? So I told him the year that house was built, 2005. He goes, okay, well, did you try taking it from the power? And I was like, I couldn't, I was too short and I don't have a ladder. So they bring this big old ladder in the house. They start pulling them out and it was like, yeah, the problem is that these smoke detectors are all bad. You needed, these should have been replaced years ago because if this house was built in 2004, or 2005, there should be no reason why you have smoke detectors that were um, installed in 2004 in this house. So I was like, well, I just bought this house the other day. And so next thing you know, they were like, all right, cool. So next thing you know, I asked this, you know, I don't know if you ever heard this story, but they say like, if you have a bad smoke detector, you can take it to the fire station and they'll replace it. Have you ever heard that before? Never. Okay, so apparently I, I heard that and that was some bad information. So I got 10 smoke detectors disconnected. I'm like, hey, yo, ain't y'all the fire department? Can't y'all just replace these for me? And he dude looked at me like I was stupid, bro. He was like, I don't know where you heard that, but yeah, don't nobody sit there and replace smoke detectors for free. I was like, all right, cool. I'll just go buy some then. And so the next thing I was like, well, dang, this was an emergency. They gonna mess around and bill me for this. So I asked him, I was like, hey, you're not gonna charge me for y'all making this house call, y'all. And the dude just shook his head. He was like, nah, man, you good, bro. So ladies and gentlemen, on Sports Business Podcast, yes, I, Eric Compton, can even give myself uh, uh, the big dummy of the day for calling 911 because my, my smoke detectors were failing on me. I, I know that this is probably a PG-13, so I'm going to ask everybody with young children that are listening now to put <laughs> earmuffs on them. You the big dumbass dummy of the day. That's just stupid. Hey, look, but here's, look, this the only thing I can think about when you're talking about the truck rolling down the street and you moving into the neighborhood. You remember the Bad Boys for Life video with Puffy when uh he came over, hey, P. Diddy, P. Diddy, Pop, Diddy, Pop, Pop, Ben Stiller. So you remember when they showed up in the neighborhood with the, on, what were they on, like the, the bus or whatever the case may be? They, they came in a tour up, bus. Right? They came yeah. on a tour bus, bro. So, like, since you the new dude in the neighborhood and then, like, <laughs> the, the big black Decepticon truck is coming out, they probably looked at me like, oh, hell, there goes the neighborhood. Pretty See, much, honey, bro. I told you. you I told you. Out. But, they look, then they, but they looked out the window that's like, Hey, look, look, Susan, I don't know hell. I don't know if he's black or if he's Chinese <laughs> or he's of Asian Samoan. descent. Like, I don't know what the hell he is. 
I don't know. So we can't just say, go to the homeowners association and be like, we didn't want this many black people living here. We don't know what you are. We don't know yeah. what he is. So he causes too much of a record. Yeah. They, oh yeah. They, on the next board of regents meeting, bro, they they gonna bring that on the agenda, man. It's definitely oh, on the agenda, man. Shout out to you moving into a house and becoming uh, uh, a um, a victim of the homeowners association mob because you know they're mobs right oh yeah bro like it's bad like i already like they sent me a huge welcome letter like trying to make it seem like it's all nice and pretty and man i already sat there and seen that invoice for the hoap man they don't kind of cut it out it's yeah it's a mob bro yeah it's it's ridiculous like i don't i, mean, I don't know that's a whole nother subject that we can get into one of these days like i feel like if i pay off my house i should have to pay my hoap and i could do as i please but the simple fact that if you pay off your house and you don't pay your HOA fee, they can put a lien on your house and repo a paid off house just because you ain't paid them their little funky little $65 to $100 a month. We ain't go with nowhere. We ain't go nowhere. We can't be stopped now. <laughs> bad boys for life. So, anywho, yes, ladies and gentlemen, I had to get myself a big dummy of the day, bro. I knew you would get a kick out of that, man. So, that was I'm still horrible. going. <laughs> So I'm still going through the rookie mistakes of being a homeowner. So I'm pretty sure there's going to be funny stories. But with that being said, BB, tell me where you can find you at, bro. Find me at Big Star Sports with a Z on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me at Big Star Sports uh, with a Z dot com. Excuse me. Yeah, Big Star Sports with a Z dot com. And make sure you're getting ready to buzz the Petty Podcast. You're getting ready to come out. I did a preview tonight. Eric, they're going to be mad at me. I'm already getting comments. Uh, because I touched on the Dwayne Wade Gabriel Union, you know, parent of the year trophy that everybody wants to give them and, you know, talk about theirs a little bit. So here's my thing, and before I go, and I won't get into it, but, you know, everybody's giving Dwayne Wade Gabriel Union, you know, props and parent of the year because of the way that they're dealing with the transgender daughter, right? Zaya. Mm-hmm. Zaya. Right? But uh, nobody is bringing up the fact that when Dwayne, Dwayne Wade has a whole side baby that's five years old and Xavier, and for a while, Gabrielle Union, it was reported that Gabrielle Union wouldn't even let him do anything outside of financially support the child, and he just started, like, he he just started coming around. He was at Dwayne Wade's uh, retirement ceremony, but, you know, for the most part, he would talk about the child that her and Dwayne Wade have together, then mm. his two other sons, which is, you know, he adopted his nephew after his sister got killed in Chicago. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, and then Zaire, and now Zaire would never ever say anything about Xavier, who was five years old now. So I'm like, can we just pump the brakes on giving them parents of the year? Because we need to talk about this too. We need to look at the, we need to look at the portrait and not just the selfie. Oh yeah, that too. And then not to mention, you know, Gabrielle Union was, you know, talking to Dwayne Wade while he was still married and whatnot. But you know, I get it. I know what you're going with. And yeah, there's definitely a lot to mouth. Uh, Swiss beat touch your mouth. (laughs) 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 So we won't we won't get into that. But um, yeah, check out the Buzz and Petty podcast. My name is Eric T. Compton. You can find me at the Gram at Money Compton. You can also find me on the Twitterverse at Eric T. Compton. Please email the show at sportsbusiness, that's S-P-O-R-T-Z-B-I-Z-N-E-S-S at gmail.com. Coming in March, we're going live on Facebook. Can't wait. But other than that, man, 
We done, bro. I got to figure out how to cut these smoke detectors off still. <laughs> ah, I'm out. All right.